Hello, and welcome to the Process Automation Podcast, a podcast from ABB that shines a light on their process automation business and the work they're doing around the world. I'm Fran Scott, scientist, maker, and all-around engineering geek. And across this series, we've been exploring the invisible force of automation. So that's the incredible processes happening under the surface that enable us to live our day-to-day lives. From the heating in our homes to the energy that powers it, ABB's technologies are working behind the scenes to orchestrate industrial processes, machinery and systems. Today, we are looking at the future of using hydrogen, specifically green hydrogen as an energy source. And the demand for hydrogen is growing. According to the International Energy Agency, clean hydrogen is currently enjoying unprecedented momentum, with the number of policies and projects around the world expanding so rapidly. And we'll get on to what is green hydrogen later in this episode. But let's start with the why. Hydrogen has great potential to play a really important role in helping the world meet its climate goals, particularly when it comes to decarbonizing heavy industries where emissions are hard to offset. According to the Hydrogen Council, around 18% of global energy demand could be met by hydrogen by 2050. The pursuit of hydrogen production processes powered entirely by renewables is forecasted by Morgan Stanley to drive the hydrogen market forward from a value of $150 billion in 2020 to an estimated $600 billion by 2050. But more significant than its rise in fortunes is the shift in demand that will actually fuel that growth. And according to the latest report by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the main areas of demand are the power generation, industrial processes and transport sectors, accounting for a whopping 71% of all carbon dioxide emissions. The potential and appetite to grow the hydrogen economy is evident. In this episode, we are going to dive deeper into green hydrogen, the positive impact it can have globally, along with the challenges that the industry faces and how we can solve them. Today, I'll be speaking with Bruno Roche, Global Head of Energy Transition at ABB Energy Industries, along with Christelle Rouillet, CEO of Hynamics, about where we are seeing green hydrogen being used. But first, I spoke to Mark Antoine Ail Maziger, Director of the Energy and Climate Centre at ILFRA French Institute for International Relations, about what hydrogen is and why it might be the solution for the energy sector. In today's world, there is some significant hydrogen production, mainly at refineries or in petrochemical plants. In the refinery segment, the hydrogen is produced from natural gas or coal and is being incorporated into fuels so as to clean them up. In the petrochemical sector, the hydrogen is used to produce the fertilizers such as ammonia, which are then used to grow crops all across the world. And so we are facing here a double issue. One is to decarbonize the current uses of hydrogen and the current supply of hydrogen. And that is already a quite a significant challenge. And then we are talking about ramping up the use and production of clean hydrogen as a energy vector that is something that is produced from other fuels, notably natural gas, combined with carbon capture and storage or low carbon electricity, and then to deploy this hydrogen into new users 
such as in the energy sector or in the industry sector in order to complement electrification and to really enable the deep decarbonization of our energy systems on the one hand and of course the industries on the other hand. Brilliant. So you have hit the nail on the head there because the thing that we really want to focus on is green hydrogen. So what exactly is green hydrogen? Well, green hydrogen, when we talk about green hydrogen, we talk about hydrogen that is produced from basically electricity coming from renewable sources, that is wind, solar, but it can also be from hydro, uh, and potentially it can also be from nuclear, but in that case, it won't be called green. Uh, green really focuses on the wind and, and solar electricity. And so this electricity is passed through an electrolyzer where it breaks water molecules. And as a result, you have uh, basically hydrogen, which can be called green hydrogen. Interesting, interesting. So. I suppose if we if we target down on the use of hydrogen as a solution when it comes to the I suppose the energy sector, why is hydrogen better than what we've got at the moment? So when when considering the future of uh, clean or say green hydrogen in our energy or industrial systems, I think uh, the key issue is to really understand that this is a critical complement to electrification and that it is not a magic solution. The priority is and will always be electrification and there is a huge range of progress we have to achieve in this field. So using clean electricity, low carbon electricity uh, and uh, to power uh, industries, uh, to power mobility, to power residential heat, um, but then comes hydrogen and hydrogen goes there and is meant to go there where low carbon electricity cannot deliver uh, all its potential because in, in what we call so-called hard to abat sectors. So electricity can deliver a lot, but uh, it cannot do everything. And, and this is exactly then when hydrogen should come in. But if we look at the world as it is now, where is hydrogen being utilised right now? In today's world, hydrogen production takes place basically everywhere where there are large refineries or large petrochemical production and also needs for, for where there is large fertilizer demand. So basically we're talking about the Middle East, China, Northern America and Europe uh, mainly. Hydrogen itself is, is not easy to store, is it? No, it's challenging to store hydrogen. You, you can store it in various forms. You can transport it in various forms. It can be gases, it can be liquid, can be compressed. Uh, but the key thing that it comes all with costs and constraints. If you have to compress the hydrogen at say 70 bars, uh, it requires a lot of electricity. So there's a lot of challenges that are related to that. And you know, technically one can do several things, of course, now, but then the question is really the economics and, and the end usages and what is exactly the purpose of the hydrogen that is going to be produced and whether the production location is close to the end consumption or whether one needs to plan for larger transportation leg. But in principle, one can store it also in the depleted uh, salted caverns. I think it'll be planet changing, not to be dramatic, but I think it's got such huge potential. But my question to you is, 
why aren't we seeing hydrogen everywhere right now if it's so good? We don't see a lot of clean hydrogen production currently. Actually, there is only very, very, very tiny production of uh, green or clean hydrogen because it requires a lot of electricity. It requires large-scale electrolyzers and it requires demand. And that hydrogen is, of course, much more expensive than the hydrogen that is typically produced from coal or from natural gas. Of course, one could argue that gas-based hydrogen is becoming more expensive, hence uh, the green hydrogen is more competitive. But on the other hand, the electricity prices have gone up. And so for an electrolyzer to be economically viable, well, one would need to build massive, large-scale gigawatt capacities of electrolyzers to get really the synergies, to get the production in series in various factories, to bring costs down. What we need the permitting for these facilities to be to be much easier in order to reduce costs. And of course, uh, one would need many running hours of these electrolyzers. That is not just two or three hours per day when there is sun or wind, but actually many, many hours up to 24 to make sure that the quite important capex is then amortized on a high hourly uh, utilization rate. And lastly, of course, one needs this demand and the demand will come when the production costs and the utilization costs go down. And in order to, to help that demand to build up, well, there will be measures of public support, for example, governments taking over the difference in cost between the current grey hydrogen, which is fossil based, and the clean green hydrogen of tomorrow and saying, OK, there is a gap and, and I will cover that gap for a given uh, for a given time in order to help the ramp up of that critical industry, because it matters for the economization, because it matters for my industrial policy. And I want to make sure it happens in, in my country. So when it comes to one way of making hydrogen, you have to utilise electricity to make that hydrogen. But then the the use of that hydrogen, in essence, replaces electricity in some of the ways it's being used at the moment. So my question to you is, what are the benefits of having that middle step of using hydrogen? Well, hydrogen production will come with uh, many advantages. It will be an opportunity to use very low cost, abundant uh, electricity when there is a lot of wind production, when there is a lot of solar production and actually not enough demand to absorb all that, it will be extremely beneficial to then put on the electrolyzers, make them work and absorb all that relatively cheap and abundant electricity when it's available. The second aspect is certainly that uh, you know, the electricity cannot produce all the very high temperature heat that one needs. It can do quite a lot, but not everything. And here it will be very useful to have the hydrogen in order to, to produce that heat. There is no doubt that hydrogen is set to play an important part in reaching the global net zero target by 2050. However, as Mark touched on, there are challenges that the industry faces. Mainstream adoption and a sustainable hydrogen market is just not viable until the cost of production comes down. Until then, the world just will not be able to afford this potentially game-changing low-carbon solution. But can ABB's technologies help with that? Well, I spoke to Bruno Roche, Global Head of Energy Transition at ABB Energy Industries, about these challenges and what the solution may be. 
I will start with safety. I think we should never underestimate the importance of safety, especially when we have this hydrogen uh, with high pressure. The second I will mention is the demand. The demand, what I mean by that, you need to have a demand to justify a supply and a supply that can justify the demand. Uh, but the obvious uh, challenge, which is probably uh, the most important for us in the industry and the operator, is the cost. Because that's what will really allow a full deployment of hydrogen. So the good news is that we have the answer. We have the answer technically. We are making very positive impact on the cost. And all the stakeholders are working hard to bring down the cost uh, for building this hydrogen production facility and also operating hydrogen uh, facilities. So my message to you today is that you could imagine, and we have done that for a traditional market, we are focusing and working to reduce the capital expenditure. But for uh, hydrogen, it includes also a big part of the operational uh, expenditure. Just to put this into perspective, when you produce one kilogram of hydrogen today, when you use electrolysis, so electricity to split the water molecule in hydrogen and oxygen, more than 70% of the cost comes from the electricity. And we know how volatile the electricity is. So the first challenge we are working on is to make sure that the cost will be brought down. And this OPEX, as we say, uh, is a focus number one to make the total cost of ownership of hydrogen to the levels that will allow a full deployment. When it comes to hydrogen, what is its role in the global energy transition? That's a very wide question, Fran, and I will answer on what I focus. I don't say I have the solution, but I will tell you the four main pillars I'm focusing on. The first one is about carbon capture. So we really want to decarbonize. The second is hydrogen. The two together can form a third that is alternative fuels. So I collect the carbon, I use green hydrogen, I produce new fuels. And the fourth that I'm working on is about this recycling economy. That forms four pillars that I don't say are all because energy transition is super, super large. But these four ones are really embracing most of what we have to change in the future. And guess what? Hydrogen is a very important start and trigger for everything else to happen. So in my strategy... I put it first because we can early engage the, at the right cost, with the right safety. That will make the, all the difference for the whole value chain round of energy transition to uh, become a reality. Understood. So there are solutions on the way, but what are ABB doing specifically to help with these solutions? We have been focusing on reducing the cost to put a plant, a production plan, up and running. So this is this capital expenditure costs. But what we are doing differently in ABB, it's thanks to the experience we have of spending time on the operation. So when the line operates, so this is down the line, this is two years, three years uh, down the line before a, a project starts. And we are simulating the operations in order to optimize the cost, this 70% or more than this that I was referring to. So this is what we have done. We call it Optimax, uh, so optimization and maximization of production. 
And uh, thanks to this, we have been able to reduce or demonstrate we can reduce uh, up to 14% uh, in some cases of the total uh, cost of hydrogen. So this is the main focus that we have been doing on top of, let's say, our traditional focuses that are uh, known in the industry. Yeah, I suppose it's one thing looking at the optimization of the hydrogen production. But I suppose another area could be looking at the integration of more renewables. But how do you maintain that reliable power supply? That's another really good question. Because we, we speak about this, what the yeah, European Commission will call low carbon hydrogen, or more commonly we call it green hydrogen. But this is coming from a process using electrons. And if these electrons are green or low carbon, uh, this makes sense to make a green hydrogen, low carbon hydrogen. But it's exactly what you said. This comes from renewables. So that will be solar, that will be uh, wind, uh, mostly that are in full deployment. Uh, But if you think about it, these are intermittent energy. Your point about making this reliable come with two points. The first thing, when we connect to the grid, and this is what you will see mostly in Europe, on top of connecting to the renewables, we also connect to the grid. When you do that in quite significant size a project, so 10, 20 megawatt, 100 megawatt and more, the pollution, if I can say, that you could uh, put back to the grid is critical for his, uh, its stability. So we have all what it uh, takes to prepare this, to do the engineering studies, and uh, this is quite important uh, uh, technical consideration, but we can make it. But now I will turn the challenge, the technical challenge, into more commercial incentive. I explain. Let's pretend that we are in another part of the world where we have wind, when we have solar at will. So we could say, yeah, that would be independent. We fully rely on renewable. And we can set the project to do that. But this comes with such sizes, because after there will be the transport, we speak projects of gigawatt scale. And gigawatt scale, we are already at the range of a nuclear plant to give uh, a perspective. Then governments, whose task is to develop this new energy, is also looking how to maintain, how to sustain, how to ensure uh, that the grid will be stable. And guess what happened? In such size of project, we can turn the challenge to link to the grid and make sure that we don't pollute it or disrupt it into loading and offloading it at will. In other words, we really turn this hydrogen large project as enabler to balance the grid. And this is looked at uh, government more and more as another and a new way of benefiting from this hydrogen economy that is thriving. There seems to be so many avenues it can go down. So how far can we expect to scale up hydrogen realistically? Let's say, I don't know, in the next years, decades, where will we see it? Excellent question again. And and, and the direct answer will be the sky is the limit. I'm not kidding. This is really what happens. And I will put that into numbers for you to understand what I mean about the pace of the scale-up, which is insane. Four years back, we were speaking about kilowatt scale. Three years back, first megawatt scale. Two years back, tens of megawatt. 
last year 100 of megawatts, and now we are studying at several gigawatts. This is an exponential growth and how much it can scale up. Technically, we have what it is, and, and this is a good news also, that uh, we have an appetite from the economy to look for this low-carbon uh, hydrogen. If I project myself, I will take hydrogen council numbers, for example. They consider, uh, or they have shown, that 18% of the global energy demand is expected to come from hydrogen by 2050. 18% of the global energy demand. This is huge numbers that we are speaking uh, about here. And we are really realistically putting this line in operation step by step. But the step that we are, are each time very important. We also have to do this in a safe and realistic manner. So to your question, the sky is a limit. We can go super high. The time to do it is required to do the things properly. And don't think that we stay still and we do that taking our time. We also take risks. We are investing with a digital twin. We are partnering with OEM players. I'll take the example of Hydrogen Optimize. It's in ABB, one of the company with the disrupting technologies that may come in some years from now, but where we have invested for them to, to develop. Develop hundreds of megawatts per modules. So when we turn to gigawatt scale project, if you start with few megawatt modules, you need hundreds or thousands of them. These start not to be realistic. So we have to think about the next generation of this project. And we try from, from our side to really accelerate the innovation uh, in order to make it happen. To deliver competitive low carbon hydrogen, the performance of the electrolysis process, so that's the one that uses electricity to split water into hydrogen and oxygen, needs to be optimized so it can run the plant at the lowest possible price. ABB's Optimax software system supports doing just this by serving every aspect of the hydrogen plant lifecycle, from simulation, design and engineering phases to real-time visibility and monitoring of energy consumption when it's actually in operation. And ABB works with industry pioneers to optimize the efficiency of these really energy-intensive electrolyzers to help reduce hydrogen production costs. One of these pioneers is EDF subsidiary group Hynamics, and their CEO, Christelle Rouillet, told me about the work Hynamics do with ABB. To be part of the decarbonization of the economy and to be part of building a great and cleaner planet for our children is really the most exciting thing that uh, have in, uh, in my life. And I've heard that Hynamics have collaborated with ABB. Could you explain a little bit about what this collaboration involved? Yeah, sure. We are really very happy for the signature uh, with, with uh, ABB and about this agreement to uh, integrate the ABB Ability Optimax energy management system to um, reduce H2 production costs. The system is um, in fact deployed at Anamics um, production assets in Auxerre, which is called Oxygen, which is um, a low carbon H2 production and distribution assets 
where we will supply hydrogen to different uh, vehicles as uh, buses. And maybe to be more uh, consistent and, and detailed on that uh, topic, I would say that the system provides data which can help determine uh, optimal energy consumption levels uh, required to produce hydrogen and minimize waste. Gotcha. And so when it comes to Optimax, how does it do this? How does it reduce the cost of hydrogen production? Is it a case of looking at getting maximum efficiency of each part of the process? Or could you, could you break that down for me a bit? Yes. Uh, Optimax is, uh, is the tool that will have different data in order to be able to optimize the signal coming from the uh, electricity sourcing and the signal of the consumption from uh, the customers. And this energy management system in a whole will be able to adapt the compartment, I would say, or the behavior of the electrolyzer because of these different data analysis. That's brilliant. So it basically looks at what the demand is doing and then makes sure that the supply that it's drawing from the electricity to then produce the hydrogen matches the demand that is needed for the hydrogen that needs to be made. Yeah, sure. It is really uh, the, the, the purpose and the brilliant uh, idea of this, uh, of this tool. So you're sort of you're not producing any in excess, but you're producing it when it's needed. And we're producing uh, at the best cost in order at least to be able to be very competitive for this uh, hydrogen uh, price uh, to our customers because the competition with a fossil hydrogen is still um, strong and it's very important for us to be able to uh, replace that fossil uh, hydrogen because of this optimization. Uh, between electricity and uh, consumption. Could you explain a little bit about what makes green hydrogen better than the other forms of energy or fuel? Yeah, sure. Um, low carbon and green hydrogen is the solution we want to, uh, to put in place because producing hydrogen with or by electrolysis is a way to reduce the CO2 emission and at least to decarbonate the whole economy. And it is a good solution and, of course, better than the existing one, which is a fossil hydrogen uh, right now, which is 95% um, of the uh, hydrogen worldwide. Now, producing hydrogen by electrolysis, I don't think is, is a cheap process, even at the moment when it's using, you know, these carbon-based fuels. So changing that process of where you can produce hydrogen, but you do it by using renewables, there's going to be cost involved, isn't there? Cost is going to be a huge part of this process. So what is being done in your expertise to, to keep the cost as low as it can be? It is challenging to produce hydrogen with that kind of uh, technology, electrolysis, where, um, as you mentioned, uh, we need uh, renewable and or low carbon electricity. And right now, the cost of electricity is very important in the cost of uh, hydrogen, is the most uh, 
50 to uh, 70 uh, percent uh, at the end. So it's very important to be able to optimize the electricity sourcing compared to the H2 conception that our customers need for supplying their process or the uh, different vehicles. So it's uh, that's also why we had this uh, agreement with ABB because this Optimax solution is really a very good solution in order for us to reduce the cost of uh, hydrogen production when we are facing this electricity um, prices and for instance uh, the uh, crisis that we are facing now in Europe. So it's it's on the way. Would you care to give sort of like a year? So in the next decade, will we see the rise of clean hydrogen, do you think? It's not science fiction anymore. It's real. It's now. We uh, developed and um, commissioned that kind of project. So that means that we are in the situation to provide, to supply this new energy vector to uh, our customers. So no, it's really the future, but it's not the science fiction or an, uh, an idea coming from uh, R&D sector. No, no, it's really real. And we are very happy to take part of that uh, business and to take part of, uh, of this uh, new generation of uh, producing and energy uh, sector. And the more efficient we can make that decarbonization of the hydrogen production process, it's only going to get taken up more and more. And so it's just going to basically fuel its own future. Yes, the two main challenges in order to uh, have a kind of democratic uh, hydrogen or clean hydrogen is to reduce the cost of electrolyzers. And that's possible with the gigafactories that all the different electrolyzers manufacturers are building uh, worldwide. So it's one way to uh, be competitive and to uh, get that hydrogen real. And the other thing is to uh, have the most adequate regulation context, I would say. And for that, we will be very happy to have an acceleration coming from the European com uh, Union, but also from the different uh, uh, states uh, in, uh, in Europe. So, but the um, political situation is uh, that there are many, many billions of euro put on the table in order to uh, subsidize, I would say, those projects and to be able to produce uh, low carbon and renewable hydrogen. What I've loved about this episode is the way that it's opened my eyes up to how hydrogen is just going to be one of the options in this pick and mix suite that we, we need to utilise in the most optimal way in order to have this net zero carbon future. And that is it for this episode and also for this series of the Process Automation Podcast. A huge thank you to my guests on this episode, Bruno Roche, Marc-Antoine L. Massiger and Christelle Rouillet for their brilliant insight and expertise. Thank you so much. I'm Fran Scott and the Process Automation Podcast is a fresh air production for ABB. 
Follow or subscribe now for free wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.